I'm Rusty Komori, and this is Beyond the Lines. We are broadcasting live from the beautiful Think Tech Hawaii TV studio in the Pioneer Plaza in downtown Honolulu. This show is based on my book, also titled Beyond the Lines, and it's about leadership, creating a superior culture of excellence, and finding greatness. Today's special guest was our Punahou Athletic Director, who hired me to be head coach for our Punahou Boys varsity tennis team, and is someone that I greatly respect and hold in high esteem. He has won 14 state championships as head coach for Punahou Boys volleyball and basketball, is one of our state's top sports psychologists, and is the longtime TV commentator for UH men's and women's volleyball. He is Chris McLaughlin, and today we are going beyond sports. Chris, great having you here today on the show. Thanks, Rusty. Great being here. Well, it just seems like yesterday that you hired me as head coach. Yeah, I think it was yesterday. <laughs> now, I want to ask you about your early years. I mean, you lived in Hawaii when you were really young, then you went to the mainland, and then you moved back for your senior year at Punahou? Right. How, what, is, what is it about Punahou that you find so special? Well, first of all, when I moved back my senior year, yeah. uh, what was really memorable about it was that it was really hard. I, mean, I was going to a pretty good school at the time in, uh, in Southern California, in Newport, but uh, uh, Punahou was, was really hard. They had a thing called summer reading, which we had to read all these books, and I thought I could fake out the teachers by <laughs> just playing basketball and volleyball all summer and surfing, and then I could come in Labor Day and grab Cliff's notes. These days it's Sparks notes. <laughs> but I would grab that and I'd fool the teachers and I'd pass the test by not, and not have to read the books. <laughs> so um, three days later, uh, I got the culture shock that uh, you better read your books around there and do your homework. So <laughs> that senior year, was uh, I, I learned so much more there in, in, in one year than I did in three at Newport. So it was, it was intimidating and fulfilling all at the same time. So why is Punahou such a special place? Uh, you know, I, I think... Um, for me, it was, there was a couple of teachers that really had an impact on me that have lasted you know, to this day. Uh, and my art history teachers, Dick Nelson was just an amazing teacher, and, and uh, Doc Berry, an amazing English teacher. Uh, Chris had a great coach, Bud Scott for basketball. And you know, so I, those are some memorable times with uh, basically mentors before they were called mentors. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that was, and I had great friends, so I had a circle of friends that really looked out for me, you know, kind of the only Howley boy in the team, and they, <laughs> and they watched out for me, and I'm really grateful to this day for how they looked out for a guy that was kind of new to the, new to the islands, but uh, I was actually older than that. I was here in kindergarten and first grade at Jefferson School yep. uh, when I was younger, and uh, so I was returning, but as far as they were concerned, they had gone to school together for 13 years, <laughs> and breaking into those social circles was no easy task. And then you, you went to Stanford and you played volleyball there. How was your experience at Stanford? It was, it was great. I mean, I, I actually appreciate it more now than I did then. Then I was more homesick my first year than anything else. I had a girlfriend back here. I missed my surfing. <laughs> I missed Punahou. A lot of wasted emotions. So now I give talks about homesick. Saying, Don't do it. It's not worth it. But I, so I was really homesick that first year. Then after that, I kind of, uh, kind of get, things got better. And, uh, I had an interesting experience with, uh, with volleyball, and then uh, I went to the first day of tryout for club volleyball, and there's this guy who was on the Olympic team. He just played in Tokyo in the, in the Olympics, a guy named John Taylor. He was like the best player you know, in the university, 
He walks in and he says, he looks at the practice and he goes, he's got this clipboard. He says, you know, I'm 18 years old at the time. He looks, he says, you know, I look like the most organized, enthusiastic guy here. I'm quitting. <laughs> I'm done with volleyball. I've had it. I think you should be the player coach from now, not me. <laughs> so I was 18 years old. I was having my first coaching job. It was pretty intimidating to say the least, but we got through it somehow, kept the club alive for the next four or five years, and eventually became, you know, an NC2A sport. Chris, your family is incredible. I mean, your wife, Beth, and then your kids, Parker, Spencer, Becca. What are they all doing now? Well, Beth is doing a lot of health research. She's really into health. She's retired a couple of years from her 40-year career of teaching at La wow. Pietra. And uh, so now she's doing a lot of research on health, Parkinson's, dementia, um, Alzheimer's. Uh, whatever it is, you need anything to do with health, and she's researching it probably four to five hours a day. She could get a <laughs> master's degree in health, I think. Uh, and she's uh, still a volunteer coach at La Pietra. Great. She's, she's enjoying doing that. Um, see, Parker just turned 40 in May, and I'm uh, still out in the PGA Tour. Uh, a little bit tougher now getting consecutive starts. Yep. There's so many good young players out there, but he's still playing out there when he can. Uh, in fact, he's uh, Monday qualifying today in Las Vegas. Uh, might be over right about now. Uh, and uh, let's see, and, and Becca's is the next oldest. She's teaching uh, uh, her sixth year at uh, Central Intermediate School in downtown Honolulu. So she's in a uh, kind of a challenging place to work, and, and, uh, she, but she really loves it. Uh, the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders there are really uh, challenging and fun, and she, she really enjoys it. She has a little one-year-old daughter. Uh, Named Mehana. She's uh, not one year old, she's four. She's oh. made four. And so she's a pistol and lots of fun. <laughs> and her husband Jason does uh, informational technology for a bunch, bunch of different places. Uh, and uh, let's see, who's the third one? Spencer. <laughs> Spencer, uh, Spencer went overseas to play in, in Greece after his Stanford career. And then he played on the beach for a while. And then he, then he got into coaching and he's been coaching club volleyball uh, in Southern California. And then he got a job at Cal. Uh, for Cal Women's Volleyball, so he coached there for two years. Now he's back at UCLA, and he's uh, assistant coach in the men's team. Wow. And enjoying it. He just loves coaching for some reason. He's only got a master's degree in teaching. He's veered away from that, and he's doing all his teaching in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chris, let's go back to 1979, when you were the head coach for the Punahou Boys basketball team, and you had a player on the team named Barry Obama. And you guys called him Barry, right? Yeah. And what kind of a player and person was he at that time? What I remember is that, number one, he was really smart. Um, I, I recall him carrying books in one hand and a basketball in the other yeah. to school. Lived across the street from the school. And I think nobody loved the game more than he did. And he had a couple other gym rats uh, on that team that he was really close with. They would literally, they get to school at like 7.37, they'd play for an hour, they go to class for three hours, it'd be lunchtime, they'd throw down lunch, then they'd go play more basketball. <laughs> then at 3 o'clock, they'd come see me, and, uh, and we, I, I'd be with them for three hours, and then he'd go home and grab, grab a quick bite, then he'd go over to Makiki Playground, and play some street ball for a couple hours at night, and then still got good grades. Uh, I don't know how he did it, but I'll tell you, nobody loved basketball more than, than Barack. Um, Barry then, yep. uh, and I really admired, you know, his, his skill and, and his love for the game. Unfortunately, he was playing on a really, really good team. Yeah. So he didn't get as much playing time as, as he would have liked, but uh, 
he was a, he was a, he could have started on any other team in the league for sure. Uh, but uh, it was a pleasure to coach him, and he was uh, and and I loved his group of gym rats. Yeah, I was just like them when I was younger. So. <laughs> well, he was lucky to have a great coach in you, and you know when he comes back to visit, right? You guys, you're, a bunch of your former players and him get together and they play basketball. But, yeah, they did the, the the first year after he got elected. Yeah. Yeah, he came back and played uh, right away. He wanted to get that group of 79 <laughs> together, got a bunch of the 79 boys together. And, and an interesting thing that happened during that, it was a three-hour session. It was pretty special. And uh, he, uh, one of the players came up to me afterwards and said, hey, hey uh, coach, Brock's better than Barry. <laughs> <laughs> I said, why do you say that? Well, Brock is, uh, is taking pride in giving assists as opposed to, you know, shooting more. He takes charges and he gets great rebounds. He looks for players with better shots. And and uh, I said, well, some people learn those things later. And everybody's on a different learning curve. It's okay. But thanks for the comment. Yeah. It must, you must feel so proud, you know, watching your former players and him, you know, shoot around basketball. I mean, it, in the Punahou gym, nonetheless, huh? That must make you feel so happy. Yeah, it, it was it was really fun. Actually, we went to the upstairs gym, went to a tiny place where it was more protected. There's the there's the group that was there that day. Yeah. And it was what was interesting was uh, we were told to not bring any cameras. So that picture is really interesting because he actually said, uh, "Hey, it's Christmas time. Let's do a little like a Christmas picture here. Yeah. Uh, who's got a camera?" <laughs> and all of us were told to not bring cameras. <laughs> so we also did one with the gang that played right there. And he did another one with our family. I thought, oh, wow, how oh. special is that? So we've still got that on our wall somewhere. That's yeah. awesome. It was really nice of him to do that. He was really thoughtful that way. And you, you visited him on a number of occasions in the Oval Office. Yeah, no, that was, by the way, that was actually his, his choice. Yeah. Uh, I had a stroke, um, a severe stroke, like nine months prior to him getting elected. And, um, and he said to me at that, at that day where we were playing basketball, he came over six times during that basketball game, during timeouts. I yep. said, Coach, how you doing? You feeling okay? And by then I was, you know, I was recovered and I was, you know, I was doing fine. But he said, you know, I'm concerned about you. He said, I, I want you to keep, let's stay in touch, okay? Whenever you get to DC, I want you to come and see me. I thought, oh, wow, really? Um, <laughs> do you have a number? Or? And he said, he gave me a way to get a hold of him. Yep. What was interesting was, was that, uh, so I, I, I I started volunteering for the Heart Association, so I had a number of trips back there. What was interesting was he lived up to his word all six times I was there. Six wow. times in the eight years I, I was sent to a conference by the Heart Association or with Stanford Men's Volleyball win the national championship, so we were back there for the champions thing. And, and all six times he was there, and, and the meetings weren't as long as the very first one, which was like a 20, 30-minute meeting in the Oval Office. The others were shorter, but... All six times he kept his word, uh, and I really uh, appreciated that, that he was a man of integrity, and he wasn't, he, he could have easily blown me off. Well, I'm too busy. I, I got to meet with, a, you know, with, uh, with Iran today, uh, with the Prime Minister of, uh, of England. But he, he always made time. Even if it was a few minutes, he made sure he made time. It was really pretty special. That's so great to hear those, those situations. And Chris, you know, as a athletic director at Punahou, I mean, you, you and Doug Bennett were such great athletic directors together. Why did you guys work so well together? Oh, gosh. Well, first of all, we had a great support staff. We had, we had three great secretaries who 
did a lot of the the, the, uh, the work behind the scenes. Yeah. And um, that was they were really special. They made us look good more often than not. Um, it was also he he was more into the outdoor sports, uh, and so he would do the fields, all the field sports, and I would do tennis and all the indoor sports, basketball and volleyball. We kind of meshed that way in that uh, we we were. And he was a baseball coach formerly and a, a former football coach as well. So we sort of meshed that way. That one guy liked a lot of these, and I got liked one of those, and somehow we made it, made it work. You know, so <laughs> well, the, rest, the rest is history. <laughs> when you hired me, you know, I, I was thinking, wow, you know, you're believing in me, and, you know, I don't want to let you down. How I old were you, by the way? 24. 24. Yeah. Who hires a 24-year-old head <laughs> tennis coach? That was gutsy of me, wasn't it? No. Bernard actually helped me with that one. Yeah. Bernard Gusman, yeah. We're going to give him some credit. But, you know, you guys, I mean, you, you're so supportive. And, I mean, the vision that you guys had, because at that time, there was a lot of sports coaches that were teachers with a vague knowledge of sports. And then you guys, you and Doug, ended up bringing in professionals and Olympians to be coaches, which really brought the athletic department to that higher level. You know, we're lucky to have great support from our administrators. Uh, you know, again, our, our secretaries, our support staff. A guy named Scotty Metcalf was our, oh, yeah. was like our gym and field guy. He was like everywhere. He Love was our, Scott. He was very crucial to the success of the program. So um, thanks for the compliments. And uh, I can show you just as many complaints by people that didn't like the job <laughs> we did. So hopefully we, we made more people happy than not. And then after you and Doug retired, Tom Holden came in as great. athletic director. Fantastic guy. What do, you, what do you admire about Tom Holden? I admire the fact that he listened to me and Doug when we t passed the torch on. Yeah. So he would actually, uh, he would tease us. When Doug and I go back and visit, he'd say, oh, by the way, did you guys have a golf cart like we did? Uh, so he would ask, he had these extra perks he asked for, it, and he got them. And the golf cart was one of them. He'd say, oh, this is how I get around campus now. We had to walk everywhere. Come on, man, that's not fair. So uh, he, was, uh, he was tremendous. I'll tell you one thing he did that was really cool that, that Doug and I really admired was uh, Doug and I each started a, a couple of sports to help, help start. Um, I started to help start um, women's water polo. I think he was helped with the kayaking uh, and, and uh, maybe some canoe paddling. And then Tom was really proud that his mark on the program was sailing. Yeah, that's right. So his son was a great sailor, and, uh, but he and his wife, Kathy, were, were terrific, um, amazing partners in, in running that program and taking it even to higher heights than Doug and I tried to. Yeah. Well, Chris, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue going beyond sports. You're watching Beyond the Lines on Think Tech Hawaii with my special guest, Chris McLaughlin. We will be back in 60 seconds. Aloha. My name is Mark Schlav. I am the host of Think Tech Hawaii's Law Across the Sea program. My program airs every other Monday at 1 o'clock on Think Tech Hawaii. Most of my programs deal with my own life and law experience. Recently, I interviewed Alex Jempel who I have known for over 30 years, about his voyage across the sea as a lawyer from Tokyo to Hawaii. Those are the type of stories that I like to bring and like to talk about, human stories about law and life. Aloha. Aloha. My name is Wendy Lowe, and I want you to join me as we take our health back. On my show, all we do is talk about things in everyday life, in Hawaii or abroad. I have guests on board that will just 
talk about different aspects of health in every, in every way, whether it's medical health, nutritional health, diabetic health, you name it, we'll talk about it. Even financial health, we'll even have some of the Miss Hawaii's on board and all the different topics that I feel will make your health and your lifestyle a lot better. So come join me. I welcome you to take your health back. Mahalo. Welcome back to Beyond the Lines on Think Tech Hawaii. My special guest today hired me to be head coach for our Punahou Boys varsity tennis team because he was our former Punahou athletic director. He is Chris McLaughlin, and today we are going beyond sports. Chris, you've been the longtime TV commentator for UH men's and women's volleyball. You've worked with Jim Leahy, the legend, and currently with Kanoa Leahy. How, why do you love TV commentating so much? Well, first of all, I, I, Rick Blanjardi got me started oh. way back in 1982. Um, he called me just because I, I guess I'd won a couple of volleyball championships and I was a teacher, so well, maybe he'll be, be good on camera and be able to talk about, <laughs> talk to an audience. And so, so he called me, and that's 35 years later now. Now I say to people, here's why I do it. I would go to the game anyway. Why not get paid for it? Yeah. So, <laughs> But there's my buddy Kanoa, uh, and he and his dad meant so much to me. They both taught me so much about the, the art of broadcasting. I, I really appreciate and deeply indebted to both of them for teaching me so much. Well, I love watching it because your insights, I mean, you're just so great with your insights when the game is going on. I, do a lot, I do, will tell you, I do a lot of homework, especially now that I'm retired. I yeah. have a lot more time to go to the gym and, and watch practices of, of the teams that are coming to town and, and watch the UH practices. So uh, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty well prepared. Not as well prepared as you are. Yeah. Your notes there are way better than mine, but I work hard to get to be prepared, yeah. Chris, let's talk about coaching. What, what is it about coaching that you love so much? You know, uh, probably because it's one of the few things I can do well. You know, I'm not a great uh, cook, nor am I a great um, Handyman, but you know, I found out over time that you know I kind of can coach. So, <laughs> so I've I've taken it on life sort of my life's work to uh, especially sports psychology. I've, I've studied that really a lot, a lot. But coaching and helping others, I guess, has just been something I want to do. Is pass on knowledge to uh, someone who doesn't have as much knowledge and wants to get it. Yeah, I kind of get that's the connection. I guess I like doing that too. Yeah. yeah. What do you think? the best coaches do? Well, the best coaches, I was taught a long time ago, my first mentor um, by accident was a guy named Tom Haney. I lived next door to him uh, on campus at Puno my first nine years, and he, he was a swimming, uh, swimming coach of men and women, and he coached at the highest level, the Pan American national team level, Pan American Games. After I won a few championships, he called me in, over next door, he says, Chris, come here. Go get, go get high in the hog and think you're something special <laughs> because I'm going to tell you something right now. You're not going to out-coach people just because you know more about the sport. Here's what's important about coaching. You've got to be organized. You've got to be enthusiastic. Remember that, kid. <laughs> and you are organized and you're enthusiastic. You've got both qualities going for you. So far, so good. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Chris, my book, Beyond the Lines, um, I talk a lot about creating a culture of excellence, and, and that's what you're all about. I mean, you have that superior culture of excellence. And I talk a lot about mindset and perspective. Give me your thoughts about that. 
Well, in this, in this day and age, what I'm doing in my retirement is I'm doing a lot of, uh, you call it team building, but now I, I call it more culture building. Yeah. Building is still your, your word there. Uh, culture being defined as this is the way we do things around here. So uh, when, I, when I work with teams, um, I, I work with them to build a culture that I think is going to lead to success. They all can be the best they can be. They might not win, but they're all going to be the best they can possibly be. And that culture is very often defined by respect for each other. It's, it's defined by um, resilience. Um, I'll keep it that simple because yeah. we don't have like, um, <laughs> I usually do a 16-hour thing on this thing, so I won't take 16 hours. But respect and resilience are two words that are a really important part of any team culture. I love that. Chris, you know, everyone's gone through certain adversities in their lives, but what's been your biggest adversity that you faced in your life? I'd be nervous about doing this today, I guess. <laughs> no, um, probably the, the biggest adversity probably would be the severe stroke I had in January of 2008. Um, I, was, uh, I was six months into my retirement, I was really looking forward to seeing my daughter teaching in Utah or in Palm Springs and seeing my Parker playing on the PGA Tour and Spencer was playing uh, in uh, at Stanford at the time volleyball. And so I'm, I'm five days into this wonderful month-long retirement yeah. gift to myself, I guess you could call it. And I went down. I was severe. I was severely paralyzed, oh. all, all fully paralyzed on my right side. Couldn't speak. And luckily I was with a couple people. Uh, one of whom had just had a stroke 10 feet from where I had mine three years prior. Oh. <clears throat> so they knew exactly what I was going through, and they called 911. And, and things just lined up, and I was very lucky to get to a stroke-certified hospital within uh, an hour and 15 minutes. Wow. And so, so they administered TPA to me within an hour and 15 minutes. And, uh, so that was uh, probably the biggest challenge was thinking, well, this might be, it might be all over. Mm. God might have called me, called me in early. So. Uh, but um, I was lucky, and things worked out, and here I am with you now, yeah. and I'm out my blessings every day. I wake up and see the sunshine. Yeah, no, totally. And it's great that you made a full recovery. And I mean, you look, you look fantastic, Chris. Well, there's I have some de some deficits. You know, I, I search for words sometimes. It's really frustrating. But some people say that's also old age. So, you know. but yeah, I'm lucky to be here thanks to the, the lady who invented TPA or yeah. who cloned the TPA. Lady by the name of um, Diane Panica, Dr. Diane Panica, an amazing lady. She and my stroke doctor, doc, Dr. Neil Schwartz, the two people kind of kept me going. I wouldn't be here without Diane Panica and her two years of research she did to, to uh, clone TPA. Um, For sure, that's yeah. a whole other like hour story I can tell you. But <laughs> that's she's amazing, and Dr. Schwartz has been uh, kind of my my best buddy throughout these last uh, eleven years, uh, taking care of me. No. Chris, what is, so knowing that, I mean, what, what, is, what do you feel is your purpose in life? Right now, I feel, I feel like um, it's my, my responsibility. When, it, when you get this gray, this much gray hair, <laughs> this much mana'o uh, mana running through you, the Hawaiian word for wisdom, if I have any wisdom, I, I feel obligated and responsible you know, to pass it on. Um, and it's easier to pass it on right now these days 
to directly the coaches as opposed to doing a lot of players. You do players, there's so many to get to. There's <clears throat> a larger audience. I still do teams, do culture building with teams and pass it on, but um, it's really, I can get to one coach who's coaching, you know, um, you know uh, two or three teams. Now you're getting at 60 kids yeah. with one coach. Yeah. So <clears throat> I tend to want to work with coaches like that and, and uh, share as much um, hopefully wisdom as I can, pass on what I've learned in the world of sports psychology and, and, uh, and team building. Speaking of wisdom, what's the best advice you ever received? Uh, it, would, it would probably be that the guy I was telling you about. I think I spoke too soon in that story. And the, yeah. the, the, to be a great coach, you've got to be organized. Yeah. You've got to be enthusiastic. That was probably the best advice I ever got. No, I love that because I would tell my players, I said, you know, we might not be able to play like Federer and Nadal, but we can, you know, have the same type of effort, attitude, and enthusiasm that, that they do. Exactly. And it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's one of the reasons why you've been successful is clearly you would say you were organized. You know, you've written one book already. I hear another one's in the works. <laughs> yeah. So clearly you were organized. It's hard to write books. And you were clearly enthusiastic about what you do. So you, you have those two characteristics in you. It's no... It's no uh, uh, accident that you've had as much success as you have, even after you won 22 state titles. <laughs> well, you won 14. <laughs> I'll never catch you because <laughs> I'm, I'm not going there. Chris, I want to ask you, as, when you were coaching, how did you get your players to rise to the occasion? Now, that's a good question. Um, First of all, back in 1975, I won a few championships. I, mean, I was kind of, and I knew I could train my players physically. Uh, you just train them real hard, go longer, do extra workouts. So the physical part really wasn't a problem. And technically, I knew I could teach them the skills the proper way. What I hadn't explored was what goes on between the years. Yeah. So at that time, 1975, there was only one sports psychologist in, the, in this country. There was a bunch in the Iron Curtain countries, in Russia and, and the Iron Curtain countries. But only one really in the United States, a guy named Dr. Tom Tutko. Yeah. Great guy. I got to know him pretty well. And, and so I read his book, and I kind of took it to heart. And, and then I started applying it to all my teams. All the stuff was in his book. And ever since then, so this is now 44 years later, I'm still applying the stuff that he taught, and I'm still researching and doing all these books and trying to meet these great sports psychologists. I steal from them all the time. Yeah. Guy, Dr. Don Green is one of the guys I've stolen from. Yeah. He is Parker's sports psychologist, and, and uh, if I'm with a client and it's, things aren't working, I go, hold on just a second, let, let me call him Doc. <laughs> so I'll call my, my guru, and, and he'll inevitably have a great answer for me. So I've sort of just made it my hobby well, I haven't taken a, I actually started a course at Quinho, the only high school sports, sports psychology course in the country, I think, at the time. Uh, and, uh, but I've never taken like a formal sports psychology course. I've learned kind of on the, on the go, sort of, uh, um, you know, I've, I've learned by just reading every single book I could find that would help me be a better sports psychologist, I pretty much read. So that's been my passion over the last uh, 44 years, uh, 
Um, and that's why you're one of the greatest, Chris. Well, <laughs> I, I, and then I steal from them. I put two guys together, or a guy and a girl together, with a Carol Dweck mindset. Yep. I take her stuff and I put it together with somebody else. And, and, but as far as original stuff goes, I'm not sure that I can really lay claim to some great um, <laughs> sports psychology theory or concept that I can, uh, you know, I can put my hands on. But I'll put things together and do the best thing for a particular athlete or a particular team. Chris, I got to tell you, it was such a pleasure having you on the show today. I want to thank you Thanks, for your Christian. insights. I mean, you definitely go beyond the lines. I, like I said earlier, I greatly respect you. I hold you in such high esteem. Thank you, Rusty. Great being here today. Thanks for having this show. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for watching Beyond the Lines on Think Tech Hawaii. For more information, please visit rustykamori.com. And my book is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I hope that Chris and I will inspire you to create your own superior culture of excellence and to find your greatness and help others find theirs. Aloha.